Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show, where we aim to touch, move, and inspire you every single week. Really? We're really going to introduce our own show? Maybe we should leave it to the pro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. One second, ladies. Here we go. Sarah Maxwell and Natalie Cook are experts in visualization and deliberate use of the law of attraction. As dynamic world athletes representing Canada and Australia in beach volleyball, they honed in on achievement at the highest level. Winning an Olympic gold medal on her home beach of Bondi is a pinnacle example. Their powerful techniques transmute the spiritual to the tangible, allowing thousands of their community members to bring their vision boards to life. Recently, they've taken their expertise on the road as the full-time family, where they inspire, coach, and lead people to create their unique, deliberate family life using a simplified three-step process. Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show. Join us for twice-weekly episodes. Each week, Nat and Sarah will teach us how to deliberately create results in all areas of life using their unique three-step process. Not only that, they'll also sit down with some of their favorite high achievers who have manifested what most merely dream about. Are you a member of the community? Go to bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal to follow along with each workshop style teaching episode and get ready to take action on your inspirations. Today, we continue the conversation with a woman who has battled the odds since she was a little girl. Being told she was no good by her parents, she went on to be a professional ballet dancer in the world-famous ballet Rambert in London. After she hung up her ballet shoes, she became a master Pilates practitioner, opening studios in London, Italy, South Africa, and Australia, where she famously trained the late Princess Diana. Suzanne Skillen says she's currently in her third act of life, where things are sweet. Her daily practice of gratitude has led her to guide women in their dreams of achieving health and wealth. She has lost everything three times, so she brings compassion and vision for women, no matter their circumstances. A beacon of class, caring, and generosity in the profession of network marketing, she uses her wealth to support the Make-A-Wish Foundation and has even raised a Tibetan daughter through her schooling and now medical college. This woman just doesn't stop giving. I can't wait to bring the power of gratitude and acts of kindness to you all as a pathway to leading a wonderful life. So my friend, I am super curious about your constant ability to approach life with positivity and generosity. So I really want to know, were you like this as a girl when your parents didn't even believe in you? Well, first, I want to say thank you. That was such an amazing and beautiful introduction. Thank you. I love Beacon of Light. I love that. <laughs> um, look, I didn't have an auspicious beginning. That was for sure. In fact, it went back to even further back when, um, when I was very little. My mother always told me that she didn't want me. And she actually sat in a hot bath and drank a bottle of gin to abort me. So not a very auspicious beginning for a little girl, girl to hear that. Um, and then my parents didn't want me to be a, a dancer. They just, they would say I was no good when I was dancing. But, you know, it lit a fire inside me mm. because 
I love to dance. And I could see that when I danced, it made me happy and it made other people happy. And I've been reflecting just recently. I've had quite a bit of time to reflect on the gift that my mother was to me because my mother really taught me how to be a good mother because she taught me the other way around. And I often flip things around. When things happen to me, I'll flip it around and very, very quickly. And that was, I did that when I was little. I learned to read at a very early age. And so I would absolutely absorb every book about little girls that were, their parents were away or they're abandoned or like Heidi, for instance, in Switzerland. I love that story. I loved stories about little girls who overcame hardships. Um, Pippi Longstocking, Heidi, Pollyanna. My friends still call me Pollyanna at my age. All my friends still call me Pollyanna because I just had that belief from those girls that I could have a wonderful life. And also my mother gave me another gift because um, I actually come from a family of women who had melancholia. It used to be called that before. So would that, be, sure would that be depression? Yeah, it would have been depression. Okay, thank you. Okay, yeah. keep going. In those days they were, yes, they, they did the most cruel things because they, it was a long time ago. And then my mother was depressed. And in fact, my mother had bipolar but we never got the highs. We always got the lows. So because my home wasn't a very safe place, uh, I think I, she really helped me develop another sense. And that sense was of energy of other people. So I would know when I came home from school, if I should just go to my room and not come out because I could feel my mother's energy. Um, if, I need, if I needed to pre- protect my little brother, he was six, younger, six years younger than me. So I would take him out into the garden. We would go away because I could pick up that energy. And so it served me really well, actually, because now I can walk into a room and pick up energy very, very quickly. And negative energy, I always try and flip it again to positive. When people are negative, I notice it immediately. Yeah. And so we'll really work hard to either walk, walk away from that if it's not a good, positive, good um, energy. But if I can flip it, I will. If I can turn it around, I will. So she was the biggest teacher for me and a great gift. And I'm really grateful for that. So, so that's I'm, where I'm getting a lot from that, what you just shared, because as a parent, um, I'm thinking about all those books that you read and how in some ways you you were foreshadowing your fairy tale of your life. How did um, picking up energy and reading books like that help you in your ballet? Because I know it's a very, um, you know, it's competitive. It's the work just from the outside. We just perceive that it's unrelenting hard work. So how did these beginnings help you when you were trying to achieve something so big at such a young age? Well, I'm sure it's like you as an athlete. Um, Sometimes that world was very, very cruel. Mm -hmm. And people weren't kind. That was for sure. Um, What it it really helped me to do was to raise myself up to deal with it. It made me really resilient. Okay. Really resilient. And everything that's happened in my life, I haven't crumbled because of that background. And again, I'm grateful I had that experience Mm -hmm. because it made me persevere I was disciplined. If I wanted something, I was going to have to work really hard for it. Mm -hmm. And um, at the ballet school where I was, if you didn't turn up at the ballet bar for a a rehearsal, you wouldn't be in the performance. 
It was that hard. So often we were working injured, and yet because I was working injured, I found Pilates classes and then later became a Pilates practitioner. So there's, you know, in every single hardship in our lives, we'd never see it when we're in the middle of it. But on reflection, you look back and think, okay, that's why that happened. There is there's something woven in our lives. Truly, there's a pattern. And you see it often many, many years later. So if I hadn't had this, I had this really bad groin injury. So it kept tearing and, you know, for dancers were, were stretched to the max. So I found Pilates and went to Pilates classes, then came back to the company and taught them Pilates. Then when I retired, I was able to have this incredible career. As a Pilates teacher, I absolutely love it. I still adore Pilates. So that was the gift. And if we can all at the time, and I still do this, when something happens to me which is extremely challenging or creates grief or there's something happens, I actually have to look and think, okay, where is the gift in this? What is the gift in this? And sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it's really hard to see it, but I know that there will be a gift always that always is and if you're listening i mean i think there would be real value in writing out what is the gift in this and putting it around your life in your house in your wallet or wherever before the challenge comes up because i think sometimes it's like you said when the challenge is on it's very difficult to see through the fog but if it's all around you you have a better chance so suzanne i think that was a real um you know something to do that can help all of us. And at the time, I'm just imagining that Pilates wasn't a thing like it is these days. So you were really part of, you know, innovating it and bringing it forward. So I wasn't going to ask you about this, but I've always kind of wondered. So when Princess Diana walks in for a Pilates session, do you get nervous? Do you try harder? Well, actually, at the time, I was teaching a lot of really famous people. Okay. And Princess Diana um, was very, very young when I first met her. And in fact, her sister was going out with Prince Charles. So she wasn't a big personality. There were other people who I was a little bit more awestruck with. Martina Navratilova. Oh, wow. Now, that was big. You know, that that time, that that really, I was awestruck Mm -hmm. by her. Jimmy Connors. Mm-hmm. Um, all these people, it's like, whoa, um, all the Formula One racing drivers that um, I was teaching. So I had a lot of respect for. So actually, Princess Diana wasn't a princess at the time. And she was very young, very sweet, loved ballet, absolutely wanted to dance. That was her thing more than Pilates. And I was able to incorporate both into her, into her classes with her friend, who was Baroness Tyson, who was the friend that introduced me. So, um, yeah, I, mean, I think once you get down to it, Pilates actually is very primal. Any form of exercise is, is primal. But when you're teaching one-on-one, I, I, I can remember teaching a really famous high court judge from Sydney who was seemed so tough. But when he was doing Pilates, and at one point I just gave a little adjustment on his shoulders and the tears came. Because it was that connection. It was that connection to somebody just touching him and helping him and doing something for him when he was so closed off and protected. And I think we all have to remember we all have, um, we're all so interconnected. And sometimes it's just one word of kindness. One smile can make 
an enormous difference in people's lives. And we get a little bit caught up, don't we, in um, the busyness or else also focusing on the drama or the dramatic or the bad things that happen. And we might ignore a hundred little acts of kindness that happened during one day. We kind of wipe them out. We. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just um, having a visceral experience speaking with you because what I just want everybody to know that this is how Suzanne came into my life. Um, and like she said with Princess Diana, she was a young girl who I know you gave your 100% presence to at the time, even before she was the name that we all want to kind of find out about today. And that's what Suzanne did for Nat, Nat and I. She really just had kindness and it was, you know, in a hotel lobby and it was just a small conversation that was exactly what I needed to hear in a new industry, in a new company where I was feeling, you know, just so overwhelmed actually. And I felt that you, um, I knew you were doing that with everyone. And I mean that in a way that it didn't make me feel less special. It made you more special. And the fact that we now are such good friends and, and we, um, you know, we get to share and help other people together is so amazing. But I really want people to get that you don't start being kind <laughs> when somebody's important or something. I don't know. That's the message I'm getting here. So I want to know about your, your practice of gratitude because it has to be a practice. I think there's something there that's ingrained and trained in you because I think sometimes we, we go, Oh, I'm going to be really nice when I meet um, the King or the, you know, no, it's not that you were nice before she was the princess. So talk to me a little bit about this practice of gratitude that you have. Well, I, I'm very, you have to be eternally vigilant with your mind, <laughs> not your heart. Your heart is all, always open, but your mind can sometimes close your heart. So I, I picture sometimes my mind it, like a little crazy puppy that's running around in circles chasing its tail and it's not getting anywhere. So just calming it. So for me, meditation is the glue that has kept my life together. The good times I've had huge highs and I've also had huge, huge, huge lows, but that meditation has been my glue for everything and calming down that crazy little puppy. And acts of kindness, it's so easy to do them. So easy to do them if you're awake. A lot of us are asleep half the time. We're wandering around thinking about going to the store and, you, you know, you've got your shopping list or what you have to do for the day. And again, it's being very mindful and being in the moment because we all have opportunities to do something wonderful for somebody every single day many opportunities. And can I share a little practice I do? Oh, I want you to. <laughs> so one of my practices, so meditation is, is a big practice for me. And I find meditation is something I do maybe twice a day if I can. If I can do more, I do, but definitely twice a day, about 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. However, the other thing I do is I say thank you mm -hmm. all day long. So my little puppy mind is saying thank you constantly. And that started as a practice probably when I was about 15. Yeah. Uh, it was at the same time as I read a book called The Magic of Believing. Mm -hmm. And um, reading about neuroscience and that other people were doing these practices mm -hmm. of believing 
that miracles could happen, that wonderful things could happen. I mean, I had a dream of being a ballet dancer. I had no idea how that could happen. But I drew it. I talked about it. As you, you talk about acting as if, I did it. I danced everywhere. So everybody in the village where I lived knew I was the, they called me the little ballerina. I actually didn't know what a little ballerina looked like. I'd never seen a television. I didn't know, I'd never been to a ballet. But that was, it was almost imprinted on me. So if you're constantly saying thank you all day long. So I wake up in the morning and that time between sleep and waking, you know, when you're just drowsy, I lie there and I start. I start my gratitudes and I always begin with thank you for this beautiful bed where I'm lying. Thank you for these amazing sheets. Thank you for the fact I'm in a country that's safe. I've lived in many 18 different countries, lived and worked in them. And some of those countries were not safe or they, they had been warm. So I'm so grateful for that. Then I take it to Paul, my partner. Thank you for this wonderful man who's come into my life. Thank you for every part of my body that is so healthy. Thank you for, and then I just spread it out. I go to my family, I go to my friends. I take it out into the world. So by then I've probably said a couple of hundred thank yous before I even get out of bed. And then when, when I'm in the shower, I start off with a lovely warm shower and I'm so grateful for that because I have lived in countries where there, there wasn't a, sh- a, a shower sometimes or the water would stop and when it came out, it was like red dust. And um, yeah, just thankful for that. So grateful for all of the soap, the smell, just feeling that. And then at the end of my shower, I turn it to freezing cold, oh. as cold as I can get. And that's to remind me how lucky I am. Ah, and again, really? always, always do that. And then the other thing I do at the end is I turn it back so that Paul doesn't get a cold shower when he goes into, into the shower. <laughs> so glad you brought up Paul because I was going to make a joke about if his water's cold, it could be for a different reason. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> if Matt was here, she would have grabbed on to that moment. So I had to. Yes, she <laughs> so my whole day if you're if you already you've said thank you so many times your day is set and I remember reading years ago you can only hold one thought at a time so a thought of gratitude why not that so that's what I kept thinking I'm just going to keep saying thank you all day long and I do Thank you for everything. Thank you for the lessons I've learned. Thank you for the, that this happened to me. Thank you for that person that was rude to me and pulled me up because maybe she's had a really bad day and I was able to say something nice to her. So just all those, it's, it is a practice though. It doesn't come naturally. It definitely has been a practice. And of course I slip. <laughs> There's moments but I, that I slip. But, you know, it's happiness multipliers giving acts of kindness they really are happiness multiplies because you feel so good and then you've helped somebody else too so during every week so i've told you about my the beginning of my day i end my day of course with gratitude exactly the same and then i i do three acts of anonymous kindness yes every week now if i'm found out if somebody recognizes that it was me that did it i have to do another three that's my little, it's my own little competition I set for myself, which is actually fun. I've probably done it for maybe 35 years. Wow. All the time. 
And yeah, it's just, there's nothing better. And uh, as you said, there's been times when we've lost everything. I've lost literally everything. I had no money, anything. But I was able still to do an anonymous act of kindness of some sort. Oh, I love that. Okay, yeah, so it doesn't yeah. stop because of your circumstances. Not at all. Not at all. Okay. And you can become very, you have to become very creative. And I love it. And just recently, Paul and I were in, in a restaurant um, in a little uh, place down the south coast. And this, this young, these young kids came in and they were sitting looking at the menu and it's like, no, we can't afford this. Oh, do you think we can have this if we share it? And we've all been through that. We've all been to that. And we looked at each other. And as we left, I just said to the waitress, um, and I'll pay their bill too, but they mustn't know that I did it. And um, she said, what do you mean? Do you know them? Do you know their parents? It's like, no, we've never even been to that restaurant before. We'll never go back there again. It's in a place we'll probably never visit again. But there's just that thing. It's so exciting. Then we ran to the car. We ran to the car. And Paul knew I was going to do it because he's, he's always seeing it be doing these things and he'll pick up things as well he's he's the same and he often um, will pick up people's luggage off the luggage belts you know I watch him doing that he always he always helps people when he can see it because because we're awake to it because everybody has this opportunity and when I was a single mother I know how many times I would have to put my shopping back you know I'd, I'd work it all out and think okay I've spent 29 dollars and then I get there and the lady would say, it's 31.50. No, what can I put back? And there's a pile of people behind you and you feel so embarrassed. And now I'm always looking for that person that I can pay their, their, their money. I can give it to somebody and say, look, just give it to her. And then go out of the, yeah. the um, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. So their happiness multiplies because I get a lot more back. Wow. I love this. It's like, who, like, if you're listening, I'm just getting excited. Like you think I want to do that. I want to do that. And then I also, that then had me thinking about Oprah. Like one of the things that she does that I love is when she gives things away. So it's like everybody loves when they get on that show where they get stuff. But I always thought, imagine giving that stuff you know being able to say you're going to Australia, you're going to Australia. And I remember when she gave that trip, to Australia. And I thought, oh, isn't that incredible? However, what I just got from you was it's always like in my mind, it was when I, when I have the stage of Oprah, when I have the money, when I have, no, 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 no. Suzanne just wiped that out. It's not that. And it's the same thing when you're in the line. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. I just got it. That it's not about waiting until it's, no now it's the now time and keeping it anonymous is that's the fun part for me it really is so i often used to pay people's bridge tolls but then they took the toll away now it's automatic in sydney (laughs) i I go in to buy a cup of tea then i i'd give extra money for the next person behind me for their coffee and and once i was at the receiving end of an act of kindness at miami airport because i've been doing this maybe for about 15 years and I was in Miami at the airport, changing flights. I was tired, went to a coffee shop. Didn't, I didn't recognize half the, the things there. And this gentleman next to me said, oh, you must have one of these. 
And it was some kind of pastry with fig or something in it. He said, they are so delicious and you should really try this coffee. And I said, thank you. You Thank you so much for recommending that. And he was before me and he spoke to the waitress in Spanish. He chatted to her in Spanish and then he went. And when it came to my turn, she gave me a coffee and a bag. And I said, but I haven't ordered yet. She said, no, that gentleman just ordered for you and bought this as a gift. A coffee and a pastry. I'll never forget that feeling. And it's like, oh, this is how it feels when you get a, an anonymous act. Somebody does something for you. I went rushing out to try and find him and he gone. And I'll never forget that. We can all do that. We can all do that for each other. Just that one little something, bunch of flowers. And I think it's what I got is I imagine myself receiving that and it makes you believe in the world, I think, you know, in humanity. And we always get little reminders about humanity and and what it's capable of, especially when there's devastation. But that is a constant and consistent way of inserting hope into the world. So, yeah, I really, um, yeah, I love that. Really do. So Suzanne, I'm loving these tidbits. Like it's so specific and I feel like excited to go do them. So are there any other little ones you want to give us? Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So one of them is because as a dancer, I used to live out of a suitcase for many years. I had one big suitcase and every time I bought something new, I gave something out of my suitcase and that continued to when I had a house. Every time I had something new in my house or into my wardrobe, if I bought myself a new dress, then I would give my, another dress away. I would, it was almost an exchange that this is beautiful to have this. I want to give now something lovely to someone else. And obviously in some countries that was easy because living in Thailand, I lived very close to them. Um, at the end of the road was a huge rubbish tip where there were people living on that rubbish tip. So I was able to go out with bundles of things and as things came into the house or my my daughter had gifts, then she had to also do the same thing. So I brought my children up doing exactly that too. When something comes in, something has to go out. And the other thing that we all do, we do travel an enormous amount around this beautiful planet of ours. I always have lots of things to give away in my suitcases. and um, it depends on the country obviously where I'm going to when I used to go back to Thailand or Taipei or any in the Philippines I would take crayons and big pads of paper and erasers and sharpeners and paints and things for children India the same I would take bandages particularly in India for for the lepers if I'd find anybody who needed bandages because it's easy there's so many people and and I was reading somewhere that somebody said that's almost like empty, trying to empty the ocean with a thimble, but at least I got a thimble full, you know, <laughs> and I do that everywhere I go. I always take gifts for children, for, for people. And medical supplies are really difficult for, in a lot of countries. So if you have bandages for people, it makes a big difference rather than sleeping on, on the ground, you know, with sores. And so um, that's one, another thing I always do. And I think you just brought in something that stops people from giving has stopped me actually is this thought that, well, it's just a drop in the ocean. Like Mm -hmm. that's not really going to make a difference. And it's not like that then has me doing something 
bigger and more um, dramatic. It actually just has me not giving in that moment. So what is it that allows you to, like you said, quiet that part of the mind that tries to make it logical? And it's, it's, it's bigger than logic, isn't it? It's complete. It's so much bigger than logic. It's and miracles. These are little miracles for people. You're creating little miracles for yourself and for others. It's actually quite selfish giving because you receive so much more. And again, I, I think I've been really lucky when I look at my background, which people felt sorry for me when I was a little girl. I was brought up by a Methodist minister's wife, uh, um, daughter, sorry, my mum. My, my dad was a Roman Catholic from Ireland. You know, already those two fight each other. I grew up with the, the fighting that was happening in Ireland at the time between Protestants and um, Catholics. Then I went to live, when I was at ballet school, I went to live with a Jewish family who were very Orthodox. And then over my years, I've, you know, I've been to, um, studied with the Dalai Lama. I've had the opportunity to look at Buddhism, Hinduism, all these different religions. And when you look at it, everything comes back to treat others as you would like to be treated yourself. And it's just that there's a universal law. That's, that's it. And the more that you give, the more you'll receive. It happens. But I think people just live in fear or they think, oh, I'm not going to give money to this charity because it really is only going to help a few people and maybe the money is going to go to administration. And, but that's, give it, just give, just give wherever. Or I've heard people say, I'm not going to give because that's not tax deductible. It's like, oh, that's a ridiculous thing to say. If these people need something and you have the money, give it to them. Um, this is all meant to go around. And the interesting thing is the more I've given away, the more I've got. It, it just, yeah. it's extraordinary. I think, I think what you're bringing to, to me is that the mind tries to make it like the content of what you're giving or the amount or weighing it and measuring, but giving is an act it's, or it's a energy. It's the, the notion of, I suppose. And, and so it's, you've got me curious because I know your granddaughter is so big in your life now, Savvy. And, you know, when a child is under five, you know, she's definitely under five. How do you, do you demonstrate this or do you talk about it? Do you have a story for her about it? How do you share with her this whole energy of giving? Well, she's two and a half. And to be honest, I think she's my biggest teacher of my life. She teaches me because she's, she's she's so curious she's so joyful she loves nothing better than giving a big cuddle or a kiss and all the all the children at her and the parents know her where she goes to her little daycare they all say because she's so social so for instance savvy yesterday we went out for a birthday dinner for my son and we were in this very busy Italian restaurant and there was a table of people behind and she just turned around and, and just with this beautiful big voice and hello peoples, how are you? And it was just that absolute joyful, big voice of, and they all loved it because the, the connection, I, th- I think that's what we've lost, particularly in our Western world, this connection of just talking to each other in a loving way, being kind, little acts of kindness, saying thank you, saying thank you. I'm, not, I'm a great one for writing thank you notes and thank you letters and because we're, 
many people are quick to complain that was really bad service or this wasn't too quick enough or road rage goes on the, the horns but if only we could all just take some time and think wow thank you so much for what you did I, I do that every Monday morning actually I write thank you letters and they're invariably to people who are maybe I'll never see again or it's somebody just down the road who gave really good service in the supermarket, just a little card and something. It's, it's lovely to be able to do that. And people appreciate it. They remember that. And I make those anonymous, by the way, too. You know, the, the biggest thing that I'm, I've loved that you've shared with our community, Suzanne, is that it's a practice and that you devote time to it. So if I think about a diary where we make time for work. We make time for making dinner, for having a shower, for all these activities. However, you make time to write thank you cards. You make time to plot and plan your three acts of kindness, anonymous acts of kindness. And so for me, that, that's really what I've picked up is like, stop waiting for this big space of time that's going to arrive when I'm going to get really kind. <laughs> I just laugh at myself. But um, you know, like if you're traveling somewhere and you want to bring, put things in your suitcase to give to others, that's got to be planned. That's got to be scheduled in. It's something that's part of your life. So, um, and you know, even the thought of meditation, which we brought in, in our, um, in our manifestation steps as the glue in focus. And I love that you said that, that that's the, the glue for you because it's what allows your mind to quiet enough for the heart to give. And I thought, oh, that's so cool. So I just want to thank you for your specificity, I think, just being so clear and concise with how you do it. And now we all know this. It can, it works, it can happen. And it's, it gives back a hundredfold, like you said. And um, I just want to thank you for being that person in my life to shine the light, you know, literally putting a torch on the pathway um, and not just sort of, you know, making it an insight, I suppose. For me, I really feel that you've given me an insight, like a way of doing it. And I really appreciate that. So thank you so much. And thank you. Thank you for having me on, on your podcast. Thank you so much. And we'll be having you back girl. So thank you. Oh, oh I've got plenty more. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community at bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal and participate in weekly lives found only in our private group. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.